G'day everyone, and welcome to A Place to Call Home podcast. On today's show, I'll be chatting to Lachlan Wiley. Lachlan has such an incredible story for someone so young, and on today we're going to touch on how he entered land ownership at an early age, and then also how he's taken over the local butcher shop in town. Now this episode is a little bit different to some of my earlier ones, but I thought it was such an incredible story, I didn't want to miss it, and I thought you guys want to hear it as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Lachlan, welcome to A Place to Call Home podcast. Thank you very much for jumping on board and having a yarn with us today. Look, mate, kick things off. Can you tell me a bit more about yourself, what your job is, where you're currently living? Yeah, so at the moment, um, a few years ago, I bought a property just outside of Bergen, so I'm only five minutes out of town, nice and close to the shop, and yeah, working in a retail butcher shop in the town of, town of Bergen, so yeah, yeah, it's pretty nice, easy going place to work, and yeah. Going back to the start, did you grow up on the land? Um, and if you didn't, what was your connected connection to the land? So um, when I was younger, I like, grew up in town. Just we had a house in town. Mum and Dad had a house in town. So, um, but you know, our grandparents had an old dairy farm that we used to go out on the weekends and afternoons to help milk cows and stuff like that. And yeah, so always been in the area of Morgan. Just you know. But if we weren't milking cows, I was helping Dad had a mowing lawn business, so we were mowing lawns all the time. So always busy after work or after school. Yeah, yeah. So. good stuff. So that your grandparents' dairy farm really kind of kickstarted that interest of coming back, I suppose, and loving loving the area and and coming back into agriculture. Yeah, always been in the agriculture, like just weekends, spending time with cattle, milking cows, and looking out deep and all the time, like beef is my biggest entry, obviously. So, like, just looking at an animal and then wondering what it's going to look like once it's a carcass and taking it from a carcass to putting it onto someone's plate is the, you know, the whole process is pretty full on, but, yeah. You started out very young doing your butcher apprenticeship. Mate, why, why did you choose that path? Um, like, I'm dyslexic, like, so I struggled reading and writing. But um, so I like school work and all that. I was never really doing well at school. Like I just did the bad, 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 bad average, you know, just trying to keep afloat at school. And I didn't enjoy it. And but I got offered a full time apprenticeship as a butcher, so I took it. You know, I was interested in being a butcher or doing something in that line of things. And you know, I took on a full time trade as a, a apprentice butcher. So I was at fifteen years age, fifteen years old. So working all the time, just. You know, turning up to work six days a week, doing what I have to do, and you know, over the years, you just don't know any better. Just go to work, do what you're told, and learn <laughs> everything you can. So, you spend three years doing that, you just then get pretty good at what you're doing. Good on you, mate. So, mate, you, yeah. you finished off your apprenticeship. Is it so? For my mathematics is all right. It's a bit rusty at times. When you were 18, you were a fully qualified butcher. Is that right? Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah I was fully qualified by the time I was 18. Yeah. Good on you, mate. How were those I think, first? Yeah. How were those early years, I suppose, when you initially started off your apprenticeship going through? Did it Was it a bit daunting? Like you sound like you're pretty well just head down, bum up and and got it done. But was it a bit daunting starting off, like um, I suppose seeing the carcasses, working through that? Or have you been exposed to that before? Yeah, like being a bush kid, you know, just you don't really, um, that stuff doesn't really worry. It's just 
yeah, you go to work, you do whatever they tell you to do and, you know, head down, bum up. Like, I don't talk much as it is. I wasn't a real talky person most of my life and, you know, just, you just do whatever they tell you to do and, you know, like, someone asks you to do something, you're there to work and you do your job and that's it. Like, yeah. Yeah, what is that? <laughs> and you, know, you learn a lot, you know, obviously you learn a lot working next to people who've been doing it a long time, a lot, lot more longer than you have, so, yeah. Um, mate, you sound like you got wisdom beyond your years, and and I must say, I thank you once again for jumping on the podcast. And you, like you said, you're not much of a talker, and here I are, I've, I've dragged you on top of this. But, mate, um, once you finished your apprenticeship at 18, now look, you came onto land ownership pretty early, and and really, I want to focus on that starting that journey. Did you like? Well, how did that start? Were you just putting away a lot of your money, your wages that you were starting off with um, in the early days? And- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously like working six days a week, shops are closed. You know, they're only open five days a week, most shops. And, you know, like, I'm pretty good at saving money as it is. But, you know, if you work six days a week doing 75 hours a week as a young fellow, you don't have time to, you know, spend it or anything. So you just save money and that's all you do, work and save. and. And, you know, you get to a point, like, why Aussie's, like, pretty intelligent man, like, in the meat industry and also with, like, saving money and all that. And, you know, I just got to the point one day, like, right, yeah, I'm going to have a try, buy property, see what I can do. So I went and seen the bank one day and they said, yeah, right, yeah, we're happy to give you X amount of money to purchase what you want to do. So it just it was just a case of going out looking for a property then. Yeah, Then right. once I found a property that I was happier with, but, you know, you just, started going through the process mate choosing that location and choosing that property were you drawn to any areas like you sound like you love you love your home that area there like was it always going to be there or did you look elsewhere to find that bit of land first up um it's a start really like you know i don't know where i'm going to be in 20 years i don't know where i'm going to be tomorrow like obviously i'll be here tomorrow but you don't really know. Like when I was fifteen, I was hoping to be somewhere else, hopefully. But you know, I'm still here. So here I'm going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you first started that conversation with the bank, mate, how did that go? Did you have someone with you that like went in there with you and helped you with that conversation, or did you just um, march in there and, and started creating a pretty good relationship with them? How were those early conversations with the bank? Go ahead. Like um. Biggest thing I've learned over the years, or I've been told multiple times, you don't know until you ask. So I just went into the bank one day and said, I'd like to talk to a loan lender or a broker about getting a loan to buy a property or such as. And they just lined up a meeting, had a video chat with a broker, and you just you just go through the steps and they like, tell you what they want to see and you, you know, answer the questions. Just, you know, it's all pretty simple stuff like these days. Like, Back then, it was a bit harder. Now, these days, as long as you got like that deposit or whatever, or that, you know, just that interest, like, yeah. Like, there's a lot of like government like funding these days and like support in places where you never had before. Like, yeah. It's just a matter of asking people now. Mate, and touching on that, how did you go about getting that deposit? Was it purely your saving? Like you said, you were pretty well during that whole apprenticeship phase, you were saving up working on 72 hours a week in the shop and, and saving up for the deposit? Or did you do some um, off-farm investment? Like were you investing in some other real estate or shares or was it purely just cash? Like how did you, how did you go about that deposit? Um, yeah, it's just purely just savings really. Like 
back then. Like, yeah, just, you know, I was only 17. I, you know, was just working overtime all the time, just doing whatever I've been told to do. And, you know, you get paid your overtime and that just, it adds up real quick. Yeah, yeah. Just pure savings, really. <laughs> Mate, I think it's great to hear hey. this. I think it's great to hear your story at such a young age and it's encouraging for this next generation coming through is just showing you what determination and hard work can get to you. And we're only early on in your story, so we've still got a bit more to go. But, mate, you touched before a bit on some of the government help that could come through. Did you have some of that that helped you buy that 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 little block of land? Yeah, so when I started, they had, like, the first home buyer's grant where they waivered your... Um, they waived your um your stamp duty and you know you only had to pay ten percent mm-hmm. deposit, which is you know like back then when I first bought my property, properties would you know they weren't much you know you yep. buy forty acres under you know half a million dollars, nothing, no big deal. Like there's no price rise or anything, so yeah, it wasn't hard to get ten percent deposit to buy anything really. Yeah. Oh mate, it's still it's still a deposit. It's still a fair chunk of chunk of your wage, especially on apprenticeship wages. So, this season of a place to call home podcast is sponsored by Roger Hill, who is a rural and regional property value based in North and Northwest Queensland. Roger is incredibly passionate about the Australian people, the bush, and keeping the next generation coming through. So be sure to get in touch. You can contact him on zero four. One eight two zero 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 four six. Thanks, Roger. You're a legend. Mate, um, once oh, you yeah. found, <laughs> hello, mate. Once you found that uh, the place to call home, mate. What was next on the horizon? Like you're eighteen. Um, oh, sorry. How old were you when you purchased that 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 home? Oh, yeah, I was just eighteen. So, mate, you're just don't, um, yeah. Mate, you're 18. You just finished your butcher sh- um, apprenticeship in butchery, mate. What was next? Did you have a goal next at, at that the next thing um, on the horizon, or what were you aiming for after that? I uh, just, you know, and I'm still working at a shop. You know, I didn't have much time to do much. Still, had 40 acres to look after, and you know, I wanted to get cattle and started producing beef. Yeah. You know, like just get a nice little herd of beef and just play around with that. That was my main goal for the first few years. You know, then yeah, obviously doing working on the property, doing that, doing that up the way I wanted was the biggest goal. And yeah, like just over the years, like after seven years working for Jimmy Ryan, then I left there and went up to Swickers and. You know, went around Swickers for a bit there, moved up really fast, got a real feeling for, like, just the meat industry in itself, like, in mass production. Yep. And I went back to butchering again. Then um bloke named Clint Stratton, he owns two butcher shops now. He bought the shop I was actually working in at Ryan's Butchery. So he's got two butcher shops, and he's, he's just a pretty all-around all good, good bloke, you know. Like, yeah, take my hat off to him, mate. He's awesome. Yeah. And, mate... Like I think we're leading into the you purchasing the butcher shop. What what made you decide to purchase that butcher shop, or what were the steps that you led into you owning your own butcher shop? You know, like buying a shop, buying a business is the same as buying a house. You just yep. there's a lot more risk in buying a business, obviously. But 
you just got to prove to the banks that you're willing and keen and you got the money there and or you just got the assets or whatever they want you to want to see. Like, you know, they'll they'll tell you what they want. It's yep. just a matter of talking to them and start seeing what you want to do. You know, and then I'll go right. Yeah, we'll give you a heads up for this amount or what do you you know what do you, what you can do and what you can't do. Yeah. Like yeah. Biggest thing is like you don't know until you ask the questions. Like, and just being it, I, I enjoy going to work and. You do a massive day, you do 15 hours in a day or you do 12 hours a day and you just go, go, go. Then you get to the end of the day and you're going, holy shit, you know, you're seeing what you could do and it's just, it just amazes you. It just gives you more drive to do it again. And, you know, and like over the years now, it's just like, I want to do it for myself. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Mate, good. So at 22 years old, you're there, you've, you've got a block, block of land out there, 40 acres. Um, and then you also bought the butcher shop in town, but I reckon it's an absolute credit to you. All the hard work that you've done to go on behind that, behind the scenes to achieve those goals. It's, it's, it's just a true credit to you and you, and you, I suppose your hardworking ethic and nature. But mate, what I want to do is chat a little bit on, on the mentors. Cause I, I think touching, you mentioned a few people in that. Have you had a few mentors in your life that have helped you along this journey to guide you along the path? Yeah, you always get like advice from older generation, you know, that they've been here way longer than you have and they'll give you advice. Some of it's pretty handy, some of it you can't really use anymore. But yeah. like the biggest mentors was like my previous owner, um, my boss, previous boss, um, Jimmy Ryan. I did my apprenticeship with him and he was, he was pretty hard like to work for, but, you know, come to the meat industry, answer any questions, tell you how to do it and how fast you should be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was pretty hard. I mean, that that sort of things. Like, I didn't really have much confidence then. But um, then little Clint from Little Butcher, um, Clint Stretton, he he went and bought Ryan's Butchery. I looked at buying that shop, but you know, that wasn't for me. I didn't have any confidence. But mm-hmm. you know, Clint Stretton, he gave me the confidence. He's you know, showed me things that you know that I needed to see to give my answer my own questions. You know, mm-hmm. I just. Is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? Is it going to work or what? You know, just just need that. Have your own questions. Once someone answers, you just got to stick ahead to it. And mate, shifting gears a little bit, there are so many different schools out there and and programs and stuff like that. Have you done any along your business journey? Like since since owning or I suppose looking to own a business, have you been, have you been involved in any schools that you'd recommend or that really stood out for you? Um, I've never, never been one to go to school or anything or like, <laughs> or have the energy to go to school. Like, yeah, there's a place to stay away from, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you got, obviously you got your TAFE courses that you do your friendship with and yeah, but these days you got, you got, you know, the beauty of online, like you got like YouTube, um, sit on YouTube all day long and type in whatever you want to know really and you'll get some sort of an answer might be the wrong one, but you'll give an answer anyway. Mate, I wouldn't... You know, if you've got questions, just hop on YouTube and... I was going to say, yep. mate, I, I wouldn't disregard YouTube too much. I've had another person I've chatted to on one of the episodes that said that YouTube was probably one of his big guidances earlier on in his, uh, I suppose, land ownership journey that he went on. And he, he relied heavily on that for looking up different things. So it's a pretty cool resource and, and I think it's a good thing for people to use, especially depending oh, on... Yeah different things to research yeah 
Yeah, or you know, I can't read and write, so I don't like reading books as at all as as it is. But you know, hop on a YouTube um, video or podcast or whatever, and you just listen to someone what they've done, or you know, just following people that do their certain thing. Like you got um, Greg Judy does like um, I follow a lot of his stuff. Like he just does like um, rotational grazing, like micro grazing, and that. And it's pretty amazing what he can do on a small bit of land with that many head of cattle. You know, like then you just got all these business ones too, like just how to do bookkeeping or whatever. You just type it up and something will pop up anyway. And you'll listen to it and give you some sort of an idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good, good on you, mate. So where where are you at right now with the butcher shop? Have you got a few people um, helping you out? Like you, you, you have a few employees kicking about in there? Yeah, yeah. So I've got, um, I've got a front of house girl and apprentice female girl. You know, I've never had a female friend before, especially being in the male dominant industry. But you know, she's kicking ass. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's you know, these last year, you know, I've only taken started and ended this gen uh, start of February, taking out of the shop. And if she wasn't here, I reckon I'll struggle a bit. But you know, she's she's taken on a fair bit, and you know, she's proven herself. But that, and then that I've is... got my younger brother did his trade in the shop, so he, when he comes back and helps me out, that's pretty good. But <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's cool to hear. But where do you um, where do you see yourself going forward from here? Do you reckon you're going to start a bit of a butcher shop empire, or you you're happy with what you what you're doing? What's next on the horizon for you? Oh, it's a bit hard to make plans. What you want to do an empire or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> to see how twelve months go, and we'll go from there. But um. Yeah, at the moment, and we've got my younger brother coming back full-time. I need him back full-time, and I'll probably need another worker too. But at the moment, while I'm young, I'll just keep kicking along and doing the big days and trying to set it up so I don't have to do big days anymore. But, you know, it's just at the moment, it's moving along really well, so it's good. Uh, like Hopefully over the years, like, you know, I'll buy a bigger property so I can, you know, do my own, my own thing on my own property, and that's what I really want to do, be on the land a bit more. But eventually, you know, it could lead to me buying another butcher shop you know just wherever it takes me whatever opportunity to come ahead yeah good on you mate um touching on that you've you've touched on it before also there's the paddock to plate journey talking about raising i suppose your own cattle and and having that real close supply chain between the paddock and plate um for the customers how much has that come to play in what you're what you're doing there at the butcher shop at the moment yeah like um I've got a local farmer, Coolabun Jeff. He he supplies me two bodies a week, and you know, like he's a pretty young fella as it is. He's only in his thirties, I think. But um, you know, people people want to know where their meat come from these days now, especially over the recent years where people, you know, food food's starting to get scarce and supermarkets are running out and all that sort of shit's been going on. But um. You know, like butcher shops, like people are starting to realise, go back to the butcher shops, you know, they got good quality meat and then they ask where it's from and they, they seem to like a story behind it too. Like, yeah. If you can, someone's looking at a bit of meat and you can tell a bit of the story or tell them where it's come from or whatever and they seem to like that a bit more and you have that bit of a conversation with them and that's a bigger thing. Like now they people, they don't really have a conversation when they go to a supermarket they don't know nothing about it and they can't whinge about it too. Like that's the beauty about the <laughs> meat industry they, or a butcher shop, they... They can come back and have a whinge and we'll try and sort it out if we can. Yeah. And, mate, your customer base, is it mainly locals or do you have a few tourists coming by or and or do you supply out of town as well? 
yeah, like all of my customers, they a lot of local customers, and yeah, you get a bit of all sorts come through. Like we've got a few suppliers, I like wholesales, I do, but you know, you get a lot of people just come in, have a look, and buy a bit of meat, and they realise how cheap it is, or how good of a quality quality it is, or how good it is. Like they just come through, and they come back again. Like that's the biggest thing. Just try and give them quality. What's your one piece of advice you wish you had at the start of your journey? Have faith in yourself. Just have confidence. Yeah. Biggest like one bloke said to me one day on I was working, you go, You can do it. You just have got to have confidence in yourself. Yeah. So confidence is the biggest takeaway. Yeah, self confidence. Yeah, you gotta have self confidence in yourself. Like you can do anything you want. You just have confidence you can do it. Yeah. If you know how to do it. You can do it. hundred percent, mate. Look, thank you very much for chatting us chatting to us today. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was an absolute cracker. And if you did, please share it with friends and family. And maybe throw us a rating. Anyway, for the quote of the day, I want to leave you with one from Walt Disney. And he reckons. The way to get started is to quit talking and begin doing. Cheers.